Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. So your children, if you have children who went down to Children's Church to pick them up afterward, they are down in the Sparks Room, which is the room right below, right down here. So if you go down in the room right down here, if you need to pick them up, if you can't find them, that's where they are. Okay? All right. Well, I know you'll find them. So, all righty. So uh, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we come to this time of our service where we continue to worship by opening your word. We pray that our hearts would be open to your word. We once again, uh, we never take for granted that we have the freedom to come and open your word, proclaim it, share it, uh, teach it, teach our young people and children. And so we pray for our children and our preschool children as they are learning. And we thank you for the workers who sacrifice to teach them and lead them. We pray for again for our young people at camp this week as they learn your word. And Father, now may we continue to just focus on you, your name, your holiness as we open your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So this is uh, cruise season in Seattle. We all know that now. That's a big industry here, the cruise industry. We have some uh, people from our church right now who are on a cruise to Alaska. It seems like every Sunday we have a visitor who is here and they're going on a cruise to Alaska. How many of you have done that cruise to Alaska? Okay, well, a lot of you know, okay, you've been to that cruise to Alaska. So we went on that cruise to Alaska one time about... I don't know, 2018, 15, I don't know, some years ago. And a group from our church went, several people from our church arranged to go, and they brought us along, and I did a Bible devotion uh, time each day. We had a room we could get together and do devotions and so forth. And then, but on Sunday, the first full day of the cruise, after we got on Saturday, spent the night, and on Sunday, we had the morning worship service in, on the ship. And the group that was with the, that we went, they arranged to have me be the chaplain, the speaker for the ship that day. So anybody was welcome. So it was our group and a lot of other people from the cruise ship came to the worship service. Now, you can just imagine the scene for a minute, how it, how it is a little bit to my disadvantage, okay? Because I'm speaking at the same level, you know, people are saying, let's, let's imagine this is a cruise ship, all right? And we're cruising up. I think it's called the Inside Passage, is it, that goes between Vancouver Island and the mainland. And uh, we're going through that area there. And I am speaking, and you're the audience, the worship audience. But behind me are these big open windows all the way across. And you are looking at that beautiful scenery. So you understand it's a little bit of a disadvantage for me, Right. Because, uh, you know, I'm trying to keep your attention, and meanwhile, all this is going by. So anyway, but we did it. We got through the service. It had a nice service, and I think, I think Dwayne Oberg arranged for it all. And we had it. So then throughout the week, the interesting thing was, throughout the week, on the ship, several times a day, or at the ports of call, I believe we went to Juneau, Ketchikan, Skagway, and Victoria, Walking down the street, going into a store, doing this, several times a day. Hi, Pastor. Hi, Pastor. People, I had no idea who they were, right? <laughs> Juneau, Alaska. I mean, I don't know anybody in Juneau, Alaska. Hi, Pastor. How are you? Hi, Pastor. Um, because they were there at the service. In fact, we were even, yes, Dwayne. 
If you didn't hear that, talk to Dwayne after the service, all right? Get that straight. So, thank you, Dwayne. (laughs) To add to that, one of the stores in Victoria, we walked in because it was beautiful woodwork, beautiful ornamental, just dark, rich woodwork. And we walked in, and I realized it was a really high-end cigarette and cigar store. Well, I don't smoke, so we turned around and walked out. And, of course, just as I'm walking out, hi, Pastor, how you doing? <laughs> I'm not kidding you. So, <clears throat> that week, I became a envoy, if you will, to these people on the ship representing the church. You know what? That was our church for the week, that chapel service. And I was the ambassador or the envoy uh, throughout that week, and I wasn't on duty, but 24 hours a day, unless we were sleeping, um, if somebody saw me, I was the pastor. Okay? Our verse this week, that we're, now I'm back to our memory verses. Last week, our brother Matt Amundsen shared, it was good to have Matt with us, wasn't it? It's good to have Matt with us and share the update and give us the word from the Lord. Next Sunday, Josh Herman's going to be here. Josh is here up there. He's here for maybe a week, maybe two, doing some work. He's going to be preaching next Sunday. So we'll get a little update from him, but also a message from the Word of God. And so, Josh, stand up so people can see. There he is. There's Josh Herman. All right. <clears throat> How many of you have been praying? You've been praying for Josh Herman? Praying for the work down there? Yes. So we're going to continue to pray, and Josh will be bringing God's Word next week. Today and through August, on the other weeks, we will be focusing on our memory verses. And then in September, we're going to begin an all-church study of the life of David for Sunday school and worship service through October, like we've done each year for the last several years. So we have a few more weeks we're going to be doing this. So our verse this week, um, I don't know, can you see that okay? Uh, our verse today we're going to memorize this week, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you, the King James, we beseech you, right? We implore you, we beg you, we urge you, we beseech you on Christ's behalf. We do this on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. Let's say it together. 2 Corinthians 5.20. Come on, say it with me. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. 2 Corinthians 5. So that's the verse we'd like you to memorize this week and tuck that away and, and keep that. So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want to give you the context of it before we make an application to our lives from this very, very important passage. I love this chapter of the Bible. One of the reasons I love this chapter of the Bible, this is one I invariably use when I'm with people who recently a loved one has died has been called home to be with the Lord. Because I find this passage uh, one that can be so encouraging and, and so helpful when we, when we talk about our hope. The first portion of this, of this chapter, chapter 5, I just think it's important to have the context when we're, when we're memorizing these verses. One of the reasons we're doing this, these sermons, so you have this context. So when you memorize this verse, these thoughts may come back to you. So the context is, um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, whoops, let's get to 2 Corinthians. I'm looking at 1 Corinthians. Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, Paul is obviously talking about our body, 
We have a building from God. An eternal house in heaven. Not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked or unclothed in terms of our dwelling. But while we are in this tent, we groan in our burden because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. And this, this is the, this is the phrase that is so helpful, I think, when we stop and think about a loved one who's, who's gone into the presence of God. Sometimes we use the term, we lost somebody, right? And recently at the funeral we had here, memorial service, you know, somebody made the point, we didn't lose them. We didn't lose them. God certainly didn't lose them. And I love this next phrase. Tuck this one away if nothing else from this first, this first part here. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. What is mortal, right? What is, what is earthly, what is gonna die will be swallowed up by life. I mean, think of that. You know, it's, it's encouraging to me to think. I think think of the loved ones that that you have had to say goodbye to this side of eternity, and to realize there was never a split second they were outside the care of God, right? That's why, in a sense, we really don't die; we are swallowed up by life, by eternal life. That's the first part of this chapter, Second Corinthians five, and I, I find it so encouraging. And that's why Paul says in verse 8, Therefore, we are always confident and know as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we live by faith and not by sight. I mean, he goes on to say, we make it our aim to please Him. So the second part of this chapter has to do... So and I, I didn't read it, but he also mentions here, of course, that it's the Holy Spirit that guarantees this, that we know we'll be swallowed up by life because the Holy Spirit we have is a guarantee, as Paul tells us in Ephesians. It's God's seal. God guarantees it. God knows how to take care of what belongs to Him. Believe me, He knows how to do that. And then He transitions to the second part of this chapter, where He talks about our response. Now, I'll use the word responsibility. That's a good thing. It's a good thing to have this, this, uh, this responsibility and this response to God. He says, we make it our, our aim, verse 8, to, to, to always please God. And then He goes in and talks about that in, well, in verse 9, we make it our goal to please Him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it, for we almost appear before the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due in the body, the, do for Him. This is the, this is not the great white throne judgment. This is the judgment seat, the Bema seat, where God gives rewards, and He that does tell us. He does tell us in, in the first Corinthians that there will be those who have lived their life selfishly, but they will be saved as if by fire. He tells us that. But what we'd rather have is to be able to bring our li- our motivations and our service to lay down at the feet of Christ, for He is worthy. Those are the rewards. So the second part of this chapter deals with our response, our responsibility to God's wonderful salvation, this hope that we have. And then the third part of this chapter, where this verse we're looking at today comes from, we're not going to read the entire thing, but you can take some time to read it. He then goes into this area of reconciliation. That he as an apostle and the other apostles, they are ministers of reconciliation. I mean, what's the word? Reconcile. To bring back together. And, 
And if you look at, let's look at verse 16. We'll, we'll read this section that where our verse today is, is, is encased in. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way. Certainly Saul of Tarsus did. Before he came to the realization of who he really was, God himself, son of God. Therefore, but he says, we, but we, we do not do so any longer. Therefore, verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he or she, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new is come. What a beautiful verse. A lot of you know that verse, right? A new creation. This is one of the reasons why we, we connect this with the assurance of salvation, where Paul says that the Holy Spirit is the guarantee because when God makes a new creation, it is a new creation. All things are new. The old is gone. It's passed away. It's a new creation. God makes it, not you. You come by faith and receive Christ as your Savior. God makes a new creation. And then he goes on to say this. All this is from God. Verse 18. Who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the apostles, the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, our verse for this week. The first part of the chapter has to do with hope. From my perspective, the second part has to do with our our response to God based on that gift and that hope. And the third part has to do with sharing this message of hope with everyone. Reconciliation. Be reconciled. Be reconciled. Reconciliation. It comes from the, the language in the first century from the realm of where former enemies become friends. Or maybe friends who have become enemies become friends again. We, in our counseling, as much as possible, we always work toward reconciliation. To reconciliation. To come back together. And to be friends again. Um, reconciliation. And so this, this idea is, it's an, it's a, it's an, it's this imperative, it's this passive imperative. Let God reconcile you to himself. This is the tense of this verb. God wants to reconcile. We are the ones who are separated from God. Let him bring you back into a relationship where you are friends. Abraham, in the Old Testament, we read this recently in our, in our reading this week in the Old Testament. Abraham was known as the friend of God. Wouldn't that be wonderful to be known as a friend of God? We are brought back into relationship. We are reconciled. Reconciliation also, as he mentions here, and you could take some time to read Romans chapter 8, and we see that God will once again reconcile all of creation back to himself. He tells us in Romans 8, the whole, the whole earth itself, as it were, groans in anticipation of the reconciliation of freedom from sin. All creation. It's an amazing thought. Read Romans chapter 8. Paul says, we have been given this message of reconciliation. So friends, the last part of this chapter has to do with this, this very important message. And the, and, and the result is, when a person is reconciled to God, they become a new creation. 
Old things are gone. All things have become new. This is an important message. Is, is there any more important message that can be given of reconciliation, peace with God? And Paul says this message has been given to us as servants of the gospel. Who are the ambassadors for Christ? Our verse this week, we are, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We urge you, we beseech you. So I want to ask you today, This is, I think Paul is talking about the message that the apostles were given, the apostolic message that they were given. Paul preached the message of, the, of today, the, the church, the body of Christ. Paul got this message. He took it to the Gentile world. This was something brand new. No one had anticipated that Jew and Gentile, all races, all status, male, female, could all come equally and become part of the body of Christ and receive reconciliation and be part of this new entity, the new people of God, the church, the body of Christ. But this message was passed on. Paul is gone. The apostles are gone. They left us this message. They left us their inspired writings. The passage that, that I think is, is, is important in this as we consider is, but before we get there, let, let's, let's talk for a minute about ambassadors. What is an ambassador? Let's talk about that for a minute before we talk about who the ambassadors are today. A definition of an ambassador, if the president calls somebody today and said, you know what, I am nominating you to be my ambassador to Spain or to Kenya, or to France, or to Russia. That would be an honor. This is a high honor to be called to be an ambassador. The president chooses this. And, he, and we know throughout history, you read the history of our country, and, and the different individuals who were called to be ambassadors. And, and you think of this, the picture where they go and they live in the, they, they work in the embassy, the embassy guarded by Marines. It becomes a place where the United States of America has a presence in a foreign country. And the ambassador is their representative. Ambassadors are not empowered to change anything. They do not create laws. But they are there to deliver the message. They are there to represent. They are there on behalf of another to explain. In the old first century world, there was, these were talking about kings and emperors. And an ambassador from Rome was there on behalf of the sovereign. And they only did what the sovereign would do himself if present. They are representatives. They are not Congress. They are not senators. Our, our ambassadors do not make laws. Our ambassadors really don't enforce laws. Our ambassadors are there as representatives to represent the President of the United States and the people of the United States. They are there to represent them in those countries. And it's a very, very high honor to be called and chosen than to be asked to be an ambassador. The dictionary says they are diplomats of the highest rank accredited to a foreign government or sovereign as the resident representative of their government. Thus they are an envoy. In the Hebrew Bible, in the Hebrew text, there's a word that's used that the, the Mishnah, the Jewish explanation of the law, the word is shaliah. It's a, it's a man who, when he is an ambassador, he's an agent as if the person himself were there. If I sent Dale as my ambassador and he went somewhere where I sent him, it's as if 
He represents me. When I went up to get the permit for the city this week, I went to the city of Shoreline, and had a wonderful discussion with the lady who, 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 who um, did the process and so on. We got our permit. I was representing the Brean Bible Church. I could sign the document as pastor because I was a representative, an ambassador. I'm not changing anything, but I'm there to represent the church as we do this. This is what an ambassador is. In this particular case, connected with the apostle, it's really interesting. The word that's used here that, that is translated ambassador, some of your translations might use the word envoy. Some even use the word a friend. It comes from the same group of words, if you will, the same root group of words. Uh, you know the word Presbyterian, right? Presbyterian. And in, in, in Paul's usage of that word, the idea of elders, of older, older people, older men in the church from the Jewish context, it's that same word group that we get this word that's used here for an ambassador, a senior individual who is sent as an envoy. But they are not empowered to do anything but represent the person who sent them. Who are the ambassadors today? Who are they today? When Paul says, we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Well, I want to suggest to you from, from 2 Timothy chapter 2, as Paul comes to the end of his life, really, we, we pretty much all Bible scholars agree, this is Paul's last epistle. It has the tone of one who is about to be executed. He writes to Timothy, a pastor, and he gives him instructions how to, I mean, uh, 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 Stott wrote a commentary years ago. It's a little commentary called Guard the Gospel. That really is the theme of the book of 2 Timothy. Guard the Gospel. Guard it. And Paul says to Timothy, the things you have heard me say in the presence of many, the public teaching. The public teaching of the word is important, friends. Yes, individual discipleship, private teaching is important. But public teaching is important too. It's a check and a balance. If all I did was private teaching and I picked out some of you to teach and I taught you false doctrine, where would be the, where would be the check and balance? If I stand up here and teach false doctrine, someone's going to catch it and say, wait a minute, Pastor, let's, we need to talk about that. Are you sure that's what the Bible says? The public teaching was very important along with the discipleship. And Paul says to Timothy, these things you've heard me say in front of many witnesses, these things you are to entrust to reliable people who will then be able to, to teach qualified, they'll be qualified to teach others. So we begin this process where Paul is apostle. Timothy was not an apostle who received revelation, new revelation from God, but he received revelation from Paul and he was to take that and teach it to others. And then those others were to teach it to others. And hence that chain has been going on since that day. So I personally feel it's legitimate for us to say we are now the ambassadors for Christ in our world. We are not apostles. And we do not, new, we do not bring new teaching. But we are those who are here as ambassadors to bring the message. Remember, we are not empowered to change anything. We do not make policy. We are here to communicate the policy. We are here as Christ's representatives to our world today. Look at that verse again. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal 
through us. We are not here to negotiate the word. We don't. We don't. We didn't write it. We don't make the policy. We are ambassadors, as if Christ were making His appeal through us. And I think this is true today. We beg you. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Accept it. It's the message. Be reconciled to God. And then that verse we looked at two weeks ago during communion service. Why? God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, the great exchange, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Christ becomes sin so we can have the righteousness of Christ, God. That great exchange. We are not called to negotiate the terms of reconciliation. We are not called to change them. We are called to explain, to offer, and to live a life that is worthy of that calling. Let me ask you, what qualities make a good ambassador? If you were President of the United States, and you had to choose someone to represent us to a foreign country, maybe a dangerous place. You know, we sang these songs about um, all the nations will come to, 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 and there will be a temple, a house of worship for all people. And we believe that the Bible clearly teaches that, that when that wonderful Messianic kingdom comes, it's not just for Israel, it's for the entire world. And we do believe it will be centered there. And that's a very explosive place today. We know that. If you were to pick an ambassador to represent the United States in the Middle East, what kind of person would you look for? What kind of person would you want to represent our country in another country? Some of the things that I just thought of, the Apostle Paul says, is required of a steward that they are what? Huh? Faithful. Somebody you can count on. They're faithful. You would want somebody who is faithful and dependable. You would want somebody who has tact, right? You don't want someone to go into a foreign country and just cause all sorts of problems for our country and for our leadership. They should have some tact, some common sense. They definitely should have integrity. Definitely they should have integrity. These are important character qualities. And their lifestyle, how they live in that country, how they live, because they're going to be watched, should be consistent with the message they are representing. If they are representing a, a country that, that holds high certain ideals and principles, they should live a lifestyle that represents that. Those are the kind of people you want representing our country in other countries. These are ambassadors, men and women, as ambassadors. What kind of people does God want to represent Him today? One more quality. An ambassador is always on duty. Right? Does an ambassador just work 8 to 5 and say, okay, office is closed. I'm done now. I'll go out and live wherever I want. doesn't matter. I'm off the clock. Tomorrow morning I'm back as an ambassador. No, no. An ambassador, because it's a privilege, because it's a privilege, that person is on duty all the time, whether they like it or not. Their life, it's a privilege. 
You were chosen for this. And it's a privilege for you to have those qualities where you are on duty all the time and you always did everything. Yeah, you, you can relax. You don't have to work all day. But even in your relaxation, you are still representing the United States of America. So on this cruise ship, last night we were on the cruise ship. I don't even remember all the details. I'm sure Teresa probably remembers. But I just, all I remember is someone came to me and said, Pastor, there's a young man that is really despondent. And I'm, I'm really worried about him. They were really worried about him for, her, for his safety. Could you please go talk to him? The person who came and asked me that, they didn't, I didn't know them. It was one of those people in the boat that greeted me as pastor throughout the week, see? Because they saw me, nothing special about me, but they saw me as a representative of that, of that Christian community and that worship service that gathered. So would you please go talk to him? So the last night, it was dark. We were up on the very top uh, there, and, and I did. I went up and I talked to him for, man, it must have been a couple hours. And he was despondent. He was a Christian man. Young man, but just despondent of life. That was dangerous. For him, for he, it was a dangerous situation for him to be in on the edge of a ship, right? At night. Very despondent. And so we talked for about two hours, and I did the best I could counseling under that situation. And all I know of how it ended up, it wasn't particularly resolved like everything was happily ever after, but we got through it. And we made sure somebody in the ship, in authority, knew we were concerned about this guy. You should keep an eye. We were done. He seemed to calm down. And he seemed to do better. And the next day, as we were getting off the ship, I saw him get off the ship and go with his mom. So I was pleased. Because it was a dangerous situation. You see, as an ambassador, you're on duty. Now let me ask you something as we close today. How do you feel about that? As a Christian. If you're an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Let's put our verse back up there. You are therefore. I think it's us. I think we've been given that responsibility. The apostles gave it to the next generation. They gave them the revealed word of God. It's been passed down and passed down and passed down. We are God's representatives today. You and I. We represent Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came and represented the Trinity on earth and lived the life that represented it. We are called now as Christ ones, Christians, to live a life representing Jesus Christ. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about always being on duty? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Would you like to just be on duty this morning while you're at church? Until next Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, you come back over to the L.A. Peterson News Center. You're back on duty. Would you like to be on duty when you're with other people? Like people at work, in your neighborhood, in your school, on your sports team. But when you go home with the people closest to you, your family, you want to go off duty and just, just be your old mean self again? <laughs> okay. Listen, friends. How do we feel about that? Would you like to take a break and go off duty for a couple of months and not be an ambassador for Jesus Christ? Or is it a privilege? Is it a privilege to have been called by God 
whether we're working, whether we're on vacation with our families, whether we're on the bus, whether we're going in and out of our apartment, or our home, driving on the road, is it a privilege? Is it a privilege to be an ambassador for God? Think of that. He could have chosen anybody to represent Him and to live a lifestyle of compassion. The fruits of the Spirit we looked at, right? We memorized that verse. Gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, love, all these wonderful qualities that, yes, it's, it's not easy to be that kind of person all the time. And God is not expecting perfection from any of us. We know that. We, we're smart. We know that. But isn't it a privilege? Isn't it a privilege to always be on duty as an ambassador for Jesus Christ? Amen? Come on, amen? It's a privilege. It's not a responsibility, it's not a, a, a responsibility that's mean and hard. It's a privilege. Yes, it's a responsibility. What will you have the privilege this week of doing? To be an ambassador for Jesus Christ. What's going to take place this week? This day? It may be something so small that no one else will ever notice. It might be the simplest act of kindness. It might be the simplest act of honesty that nobody would ever know except you did the right thing. That unfolds itself in your life as to how you treat people. So that when you have opportunity as diverse that we learn that when we have opportunity to be a witness for Jesus Christ, that when you speak and you talk about Christ, that the person hearing that connects that with how you live, not perfection. They're not dumb. They don't expect that. But if we live completely one way and then try to speak this way, that is not an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Our lives and our words should match up. So when God gives us the privilege of sharing this wonderful message, and Paul says, we beg you, we implore you, we beseech you, we ask you, why not be reconciled to God? You're on duty. It's a great duty. It's a great responsibility. It's a great privilege. It's a great freedom. Because the other thing an ambassador has, an ambassador has credentials. And when he shows up or she shows up in a country, she has credentials. We have the Holy Spirit that has sealed us from the day of redemption. We have the calling. We have the credentials. We have the revelation. We have the message. We don't have to make policy. We don't have to negotiate it. We simply are called to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ. And it's a wonderful privilege. We're going to sing a closing song to Gary that they've chosen today that's going to connect with this. I want you to sing these words as worship to the Lord. And I want you to give thanks that we as a church family have the privilege. You know, Matt asked us last week if our church were gone today, would anybody notice in this community? We have the privilege as a church family to be ambassadors for Jesus 
Christ. We pray that God's mercy will flow through you this week. We have an opportunity for a very simple way to do that. Fill up a backpack. Let God's mercy flow through you to Honduras, to a child. In the name of Jesus Christ, let God's mercy flow through you in all you do this week. Sign up for the Aquasox tickets and join us for a wonderful time of fellowship. And God bless you for coming today. Come next week. Don't stay away because of the construction. You want to come and see what's going on, right? Right. So next Sunday, we'll join us in the L.A. Peterson Youth Center. It's going to be a great week. I'm looking forward to a noisy day here tomorrow as things begin. So let's pray about that. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of your mercy flowing through us. You have been merciful to us. What a beautiful word, mercy. Mercy. Thank you, God, that you are a merciful God. You are a forgiving God. You are a loving God and kind God and a just God and a holy God. And we pray as we have just sung that we really mean those words, that your mercy will flow through us. The Apostle Paul said, we implore you on Christ's behalf. We are simply the channel. We are the ambassador. And may we be truly ambassadors of mercy for you this day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.